this week on the Backtable Podcast. You know, there's been many big trends in radiology, corporatization of radiology. So what used to be a, you know, five or 10 person practice is now a 50 or 100 person practice. So as that 50 or 100 person practice looks to broaden the breadth of expertise that they have, they need to make sure that they have radiologists who can interpret at a very high quality level across a number of specialties. Over 98% of radiologists in the U.S. and similar stats in other developed markets are fellowship trained, yet over 55% of them bill across multiple specialties. So you might decide, hey, you know, I, I specialize in neuroradiology, but I still have to read breast imaging, you know, a few days a week, or I have to do emergency room coverage, covering trauma. And so it's really important for people to continuously train across multiple subspecialties. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Backtable Innovation Podcast. You can find all previous episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and on backtable.com. This is our next installment in the Backtable Innovation Show, where you will hear stories from physician entrepreneurs who are helping to drive healthcare forward through medtech innovation. Today we have a very special episode. We are going to be discussing innovations in post-training, continuing education. Uh, we've had prior episodes around innovation and education, including the Osmosis founder, Shiv Gaglani. Uh, today, we're going to have CEO and co-founder of MRI Online, Dan Arnold. Welcome, Dan. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Aaron. Great to be here. Dan and I connected, uh, gosh, it was like, I look back at our emails like a few months ago. I, time has been flying by, but we've been trying to make this work with our schedules and everything. And I'm glad we were able to get you on the show because you and I had a long conversation about medical education. You know, clearly Backtable is all about medical education and, and this sort of post-graduate training that continues lifelong, lifelong learning. And it seems like it has evolved, but evolved slowly. And you and I kind of talked a lot, a lot about this in detail. And that's why I really want the audience to kind of take home is, you know, what you guys have done at MRI Online. But before we get to that, I want you to, for those who aren't familiar with you, tell us a little bit about your background and what you were doing before you started MRI Online. Will do. Thanks, Aaron. And uh, the apologies are all mine. It's been a busy few months in the Arnold household. We just uh, welcomed the new baby, our third kid. So uh, we've got four, two, and zero. Um, wow. So it's been a hectic time. We just moved across the country from Philadelphia to Salt Lake. So it's been a crazy few weeks for us on the personal side, and it's great to get back into it and have some time on the show. So uh, you know, starting my background, grew up uh, in Miami, Florida. My mom was in retail. She's my inspiration for getting into business. She uh, worked in a bunch of stores like Sunglass Hut, Macy's. Whenever we were on vacation, we'd have to go to a mall and check out the stores and always talk numbers. And um, so I learned everything from her and then went to college at Northwestern, studied engineering. That's where I met my now wife, um, started out in strategy consulting, um, helping large companies with technology and digital transformations. It was a crash course in business, learned a ton, but knew I didn't want to work in big companies forever, always wanted to have do something innovative and entrepreneurial. I had an opportunity to work at Google, launching new products for them, basically startups within Google. Um, it's laughable now doing a startup with the differences between a real startup and a startup within Google. You know, we had 50 engineers and they were some of the best and brightest, um, but it was a small effort and it was a contained project. And the one that I worked on that was most relevant to this experience was called Google Helpouts. And the idea was, you know, everyone goes on to Google looking for answers to their questions. Do I have pink eye? What's wrong with my Excel formula? How do I solve this calculus problem? And then they spend an hour on Wikipedia or YouTube. And their core insight was, hey, you know, maybe we could connect people to an expert and they could get an answer right away. 
Um, if only they could, you know, via video, connect with someone, maybe pay them a few dollars. They could connect with someone who could help them. This idea sounds really good in 2022. Um, we're doing it now all day, every day. But in 2011, this idea was early. It was a little early. Um, we weren't yet video chatting at the same level. Um, this concept of micro payments wasn't really there. The creator economy, online digital services were still so new. Uh, so it was a really amazing idea, just a little ahead of its time. And in that company, I was responsible for building out an education marketplace. And so I was trying to bring tutors onto the platform to help students around the world learn. And it was that experience that really opened my eyes to the massive transformation that was happening in online education and the ways of new business models that were emerging and the democratizing power of people being able to connect to experts over the internet. Yeah. How did that lead to starting MRI Online? Yeah. So my experience at Google was amazing. But as I said at the start, like I always wanted to start my own company, decided to get my MBA, went to Harvard, did that for a few years, and then moved to Cincinnati because my wife, Taylor, was finishing med school there. We didn't know where we'd be next. She hadn't matched yet. And so we said, all right, we'll go to Cincinnati for a little bit, bide our time until you match. And so I took on a bunch of different consulting projects, one of which was with Stephen Pomeranz, a legendary lecturer in the field of musculoskeletal MRI, as well as a private practice clinician. The time he was going around and putting on in-person courses, um, he had written a really influential textbook in the early days on MRI anatomy of MSK. And he really early saw the power of MRI. He, he trained on the, one of the first magnets in the country. And so he became the only person in Cincinnati that knew about it. And so he and his wife, Penny, would go around town she would bake a cake and he would, you know, go into a classroom and, you know, they'd lecture to local doctors and he gained some esteem there. And so big local conferences turned into national conferences, eventually turned into international conferences. And so when I met him, you know, he'd go to Australia and fill a conference room with 200 radiologists to come learn from him. I thought, wow, that's amazing. You know, Dr. Pomeranz, have you ever thought of putting that online? And he said, yeah, you know, I have absolutely Khan Academy. I get it. That's where the world's going. I just, I just don't know how to build an online business. And I had just had this experience at Google you know, building something like this. And something that had changed a lot at that time was the cost of building online uh, services had dropped dramatically in, in the past five years as, as different SaaS platforms had come on, onto the market. And so I said, you know, I don't think we need to you know, invest a ton of money in this. I threw them in the, in the conference room, filmed a few videos, um, and just built a website all by myself and said, hey, let's see what we got here. And a small team of us just tinkered with it for a little while to see if we could get this off the ground. And our key insight was that that Khan Academy style micro learning, so short two to four minute videos paired with case-based simulation. So 14-year-old athlete playing football, here's a pop, what's wrong with their knee? Then you get their knee MRI, you scroll through the MRI on your own device, work through the case, and then you have an expert in Dr. Pomeranz break that case down for you. And so if you're familiar with Code Academy, which is like this simulated way of learning how to do JavaScript programming, it, you know, it's taking those insights along with Khan Academy and mashing them up into this case-based simulation. And the format really resonated with the market. And we started growing really fast just through digital and word of mouth and said, hey, you know, I think there's something here. But if we want to be covering radiology, we need a lot more than musculoskeletal MRI. We need to you know, recruit other faculty onto the platform um, and really turn this into a business. Yeah, it can't just be around Pomerantz, right? Exactly. He has limited bandwidth, I imagine. Exactly. So that's how we started. We started out with, you know, one course in the MRI, one, one faculty, built a website. You know, you, you asked when we had our first conversation, did you do any market research? It's, 
no. You know, <laughs> part, part of the market research was, you know, my, my wife, Taylor, is also a radiology. Uh, she's now a fellow, but at the time she was a first year resident. And we were shocked when she started at Penn and they handed her a 300-page textbook. <laughs> they said, you know, here's your neuro textbook. Like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And uh, so there's there's got to be a better way to learn. And, you know, obviously what started out with Khan Academy and sort of broad education, then people like Shiv and Osmosis started leading the way. And in healthcare education, we thought there's definitely going to be a need for this in radiology. For sure, for sure. And, and you guys were smart to see like the parallels out there, right? Khan Academy, you mentioned and I've mentioned this on prior shows, but if anybody hasn't heard that story, Guy Raz on How I Built This had a great uh, episode with Sal Khan, the founder. And um, yeah, it's just, it's all about taking what you're doing over and over and over again and putting it into a digital format where it's accessible, right? You make it accessible around the world and now we can do that. Whereas, like you said, 11 years ago, in 2011, that was a little bit more challenging, right? And so how did you actually meet Dr. Pomerantz? Because he's private practice, but he wasn't at Penn, right? So how did you meet him? So Dr. Pomerantz is also my father-in-law. Oh, okay. So that, yeah. And, and um, you know, it's, it's such a funny story. We obviously knew each other socially forever as I got to know Taylor. She and I have been together now well over 15 years and, you know, been a, been a central part of my life. But then when I finished business school and moved to Cincinnati, I was like, so you know, what's going on in Cincinnati and, and just went and talked to different, different people, one of whom was him and, and said, Hey, you know, there's something really interesting here. Yeah. So it sounds like the pain point was basically, look, this, this whole textbook way of learning is old fashioned. We've been, you know, we've been doing that for decades now, but th now we have all this technology at hand. What can we do with it? And so your first try at it was really just some videos that you just recorded with Dr. Pomerantz. And, and what did you do with those? You just threw them on YouTube or how did you get them in front of people? Yeah. You know, we actually started out with a few things. We built on a platform called Teachable, which um, is a really great way for any entrepreneur looking to get started because it's kind of like Shopify for learning management platforms. We've since migrated off of Teachable as we've added more custom features and capabilities, but we didn't have to invest anything in technology development, you know, for the first while as we got started. Um, so that helped us get off the ground. And then we also scrubbed the earth to try and find a web-based simulation tool for scrolling through DICOM files. Um, and that was a little bit of secret sauce that we pulled together. And so it was the combination of Teachable plus a web-based viewer that we pulled together into a framework in Teachable and Teachable enabled you to, to take payments day one. And then we started out with a case of the day newsletter. So we would, you know, send out an interesting case um, via email and that email started spreading through word of mouth. So we built up a free email list and that got a lot of traction and then, and then turned that into a subscription that we charged $1,500 for for unlimited access to our content, all for um, CME credits. And so radiologists can meet their category one CME needs through our platform, both in the US and abroad, pretty much every country that requires CME will recognize AMA credits. And so it enabled us to also grow in areas like Australia and Europe. Okay. And sorry, just backing up a little bit, because I, I really like these early, like the early days, right? Like what, you know, what did the company look like? When you say we, you know, we were doing these things, Pomerantz obviously is the subject matter expert. You're the guy behind the scenes trying to put it all together, figure out is there a market here? Who else did you have on the team in those early days? So in the early days, I worked closely with, and Dr. Pomerantz had his own education department within his radiology practice that would help him put on the courses. And so it was me, Paul, and Alex. Paul 
started out as an art teacher, studied art at the Art Institute of Chicago. And then Dr. Pomeranz, I think I told you at the start, built one of the first MSK, musculoskeletal anatomy textbooks in the country. Um, so what they would do is, is they would draw, you know, a hand anatomy, and then they would correlate that with a hand on MR to help people learn anatomy. And so Paul, who started out as an art teacher, became Dr. Pomeranz's illustrator. And then Alex would help them put on the courses. So when they would fly to Australia, he would do the media, the AV, the setup for these in-person courses. And so I worked with his, Dr. Pomeranz's team that would put on these in-person courses and we learned together um, how to build a digital company. Yeah. And, and so early on, you guys were just trying to get people, it sounds like you were maybe putting out free content, trying to get some traction, get some listenership or people trying out the uh, platform. How long did it take before you actually started charging docs to, to access? Day one. So Dr. Pomeranz was putting on a course in Australia one year and I said, okay, I mean, you know, I had a few hundred people that were going to be at this course in Australia. I said, why don't we launch it at that course? And so we built one course on knee MRI. It was a few hour course. And mind you, people would pay a few thousand dollars to go to an in-person course just for the registration fee. And then when you add in the travel and airfare, you know, you might be looking at a four or $5,000 investment plus the week you're taking off work. Um, so we said, hey, you know, $1,500, it's a really fair price for a knee MRI course that's you know, a few hours in duration, that's pretty much the same as what you'd get from an in-person course. So we filmed this, this course, built the website, spent a few, I don't know, one quarter, maybe 12 weeks at, trying to build this thing before the course. Then we got to the course and we launched it there. And um, there were 200 people there. We said, why don't you sign up for this course now? We're going to add more content through it through the year. We took sales. You know, we had a little credit card machine. We took sales there. And it worked and we immediately got, you know, 50 or so paying customers. And we said, okay, this is going to work. Um, this is really going to work. Now, a lot of these people were big fans of Dr. Pomerantz's and they've you know been learning from him for many years. He's been lecturing now for um, a long time. And so we knew this was the seedlings of something, but that we need to really broaden both the content as well as the, the expertise bench to grow it into something. But we knew that the format would work in terms of this, this way of teaching. Yeah, so that's a great point. So Pomerantz already had this name, this brand name that was known pretty much around the world, is known around the world. This is stuff that I'm interested in in terms of scaling, you know, Backtable is how do you go from one subject matter expert to where you guys are today? Um, how do you find talent, basically? It's a great question. So finding additional faculty was going to be key and building a platform where all of the world's radiologists, the best radiologists would want to participate in it was really key. And we had the distinct pleasure early on of connecting with Dr. Janie Collins. Janie Collins is one of the world's most respected academic radiologists uh, in the country. She'd been the past president of several different radiology societies. She'd been the chair of a program. And pretty much if you ask any academic radiologist, do you know Janie Collins? Uh, they say, oh, yeah, she really mentored me in some way. Yeah. Go, wow. How has this one person touched so many people? And we knew her. And so we reached out to her. We said, hey, you know, we're, we're building up this, this company. You know, how would you approach it? How would you think about it? She goes, oh, my God, I've been wanting to do something like this for years. This is the future of education. I want to get involved. And so we brought her on early to be the you know, chair of education for MRI Online. Okay. And she built a list. She said, okay, well, 
um, as I mentioned, I'm in, I'm in tech. I don't know anything about healthcare. I just know about online education trends and I know radiology is an interesting field. She said, okay, well, here's where the most important areas to, to teach are. We need to build something out in musculoskeletal, neuroradiology, GI, GU, breast. And then she would say, okay, here's all the best faculty in each of those programs. I'm going to start reaching out to them and here's what the curriculum is that we need to build. And so she built out our master plan for both content and, and who the best faculty were. And then we, we had this great idea. We said, okay, we're going to build a world-class filming studio and we're going to bring faculty in to film. And so Jannie starts sending out invitations and we get one signed up. We get two signed up. We're like, okay, this is starting to work. And one of the first people to sign up was Dr. David Usum from Johns Hopkins, who has now gone on to lead up our neuroradiology program and has been an instrumental partner um, and force behind our success. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But it was slow. You know, as an entrepreneur, I want everything done tomorrow. And, you know, we were getting like one, one person to sign up every month or so. It wasn't moving fast enough. And then in March of 2020, COVID hit. And I turned to my team and I said, team, A, no one's coming to our studios yeah. before COVID right. <laughs> at the rate that we want. Yeah. And B, no one's ever going to come to our studios <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah. Um, we need a new plan. And uh, meanwhile, my wife, Taylor, you know, immediately their noon lectures were canceled, their morning conference. And so they said, oh boy, this has got to be happening everywhere. Maybe we can do something to help and put together, you know, a free one hour lecture once a week. And at that point, we had five faculty. So we took our five faculty and said, you're on Monday, you're on Tuesday, you're on Wednesday, you're on Thursday, you're on Friday. And within three days, we had spun up a noon lecture series and we made it free on Zoom, which at the time was super innovative, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no one had ever heard of Zoom right. for about two more weeks. And we put on this lecture series to say, okay, well, maybe this would be a good way to, to spread the word. And also at, at the minimum, just do good for the radiology community. That first week we had several thousand radiologists from around the world tune into our lectures. And that was a real turning point for us because we realized, hey, we can make some pretty high quality lectures over Zoom, as well as this you know, free way of engaging with our lectures is a good way for people to learn about the brand, learn about our faculty and come on. And so we ended up that year recruiting over 150 radiologists to lecture on our platform, as well as, you know, reached tens of thousands of radiologists around the world to tune into our content. Um, and so we, we became pretty quickly well-known within the industry. And from there, we were able to recruit those top faculty that we wanted. And so we ended up building out an advisory board of radiologists leading up different content areas. So David Usum leads up our neuroradiology alongside Suresh Mukherjee, who specializes in head and neck. We brought on Dr. Rachel Brem from GW to lead up our breast imaging curriculum and then recruit faculty within there to build out the breast imaging content and so on. So we built this subspecialty advisory board of the top names in radiology. Then they brought others on to lecture. And from there, we've been able to build out a really robust content library covering all of the areas that a radiologist would need to know about. Now, one of the things that's that's unique about radiology is, you know, residents love MRI Online is definitely a core customer of ours, but the content on MRI Online is pretty advanced. Um, it's really for radiologists out there who are out there in private practice, who, you know, might be subspecialized, but needing to take on additional skills and subspecialties and, and stay up to date. And so it's, it's, it's really high level content. Yeah. So... So many questions from what you just said. So first of all, what happened to the studio? Did you guys scrap it? Does it still exist? We had an amazing radiologist in the studio last week, Dr. Brown, who's building up our pediatric fellowship out of Indiana University. We now get, I would say, a faculty there 
probably every other week. We love it when faculty come into the studio because we find that their ability to really hone in on the content, to you know, spread themselves out from distractions and spend two solid days, they get really good at it. Plus, we have amazing audio, video, and team there. But, you know, I'd say the majority of our of our recording does still happen remotely. Yeah, you know, we've always kind of had this pipe dream of having a back table studio where we can just record without distraction. Because like you said, I mean, we've done really well with the current technology with this platform we're using right now, Riverside, and with Descript for editing. But it would be nice to have some place not only where the audio can be crystal clear, but also... Uh, you know, and there's so many factors that are out of our control when we're recording remotely, but just the distractions uh, and just time, right? I mean, it's hard to carve out, you know, time away from family on the weekends and, and during the week. And, and, you know, at the end of the of a workday, people are tired. They don't have the same energy. But if you're able to fly them in, put them up in a hotel, have them spend a couple of days to just focus on content, that sounds pretty amazing, honestly. Absolutely. And there's also some unique things we can do in our studio. So for example, we had Don Resnick in town earlier this year to put on a course on uh, synovial joints. Don Resnick is one of the most famous radiologists in the world, definitely one of the most revered in musculoskeletal education. And he spent four days with us. And some of the things that we were able to do in the studios, first of all, we have this amazing device that's preloaded with the packs. So you've got tons of cases. You can draw right on there. And then we also bring in other radiologists and they can have a really interesting conversation, a really interactive conversation. So we're able to produce some types of content types that we can't really do remotely. And that was a real highlight of the studio. And you can imagine, do as we think about other types of teasing out what, what the future might look like, other things that you might want to film in person and in radiology um, and otherwise. Yeah, especially procedure-wise. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we always struggle with that because, I, you know, me being an IR, like, I recognize some of the names you mentioned from training, Resnick for sure, you know, Usum, but uh, you know, I, I'm definitely more on the procedure side and we're able to talk through these procedures and people can imagine them and we don't necessarily need the imaging, but it would be nice to have some visual aspect that people can watch if they want to, right? I see more and more people putting time and energy into video podcasts and it's something that we're playing with. But, you know, that's why I really like the, the idea of the studio and uh, offline, I'll, I'll pick your brain a little bit more about that and how you guys put that together. I do want to ask you, where do you get all your cases? So we've now um, actually we sent out an email campaign this weekend. We just did a really amazing milestone over 4000 cases in our library. And these cases come from all of our partners. Um, so dozens of academic institutions, private practices and clinics around the country. We built a really amazing method for the scrubbing and anonymization and storage of the data. Then we also have an amazing team that works with the faculty to make it easy for them. We also then have a two-step scrubbing process where we look through every case multiple times. You know, since we've launched, we haven't had a single issue with that, which has been amazing. And so that's been a real asset for us. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, and that reminds me, so you kind of already gave us an idea of what the product is it's it's these courses and we I, I do want to talk about the remote fellowships in a minute as well so it sounds like most of your customers were and currently still are physicians and maybe even practice groups but what about institutions are you working with institutions do you have any partnerships or collaborative efforts uh, in place with institutions 
Yeah. So, you know, we started out with a really narrow business of individuals wanting to learn about musculoskeletal MRI. As our platform is brought in and we can cover pretty much anything a radiologist needs to learn to stay relevant, um, we're really working closely with lots of different types of institutions. You know, there's been many big trends in radiology, um, some of them corporatization of radiology. So what used to be a, you know, five or 10 person practice is now a 50 or 100 person practice. So as that 50 or 100 person practice looks to broaden the breadth of expertise that they have, they need to make sure that they have radiologists who can interpret at a very high quality level across a number of specialties. Over 98% of radiologists in the U.S. and similar stats in other developed markets are fellowship trained, yet over 55% of them bill across multiple specialties. So you might decide, hey, you know, I, I specialize in neuroradiology, but I still have to read breast imaging, you know, a few days a week, or I have to do emergency room coverage, covering trauma. And so it's really important for people to continuously train across multiple subspecialties. And so we work with institutions where sit down with them. Some of the things that they care about are, you know, how do I have a wide enough breadth of expertise to meet all the imaging demands? How do I hire, train, and onboard new radiologists? How do I prevent burnout? Because all radiologists are being tasked with doing more with less. So can we make our doctors feel supported and give them the skills that they need so that if they all of a sudden have to take on um, a prostate MRI because the one person in their practice that does that is out this week, they have the tools that they need to provide that interpretation confidently. Um, and so, so those are some of the things that organizations are, are thinking about. And so one of the ways that we'll work with them is we'll start as we'll, we'll take a, a, an example. We have a private practice that we're working with over 100 radiologists. Start with a clinical needs assessment where they actually, top to bottom, have radiologists survey themselves and their confidence across all subspecialties and modalities that they practice. And then we'll identify learning pathways for them and match our content to those learning pathways. So um, if a neuroradiologist says, hey, you know, I'm not very comfortable in ER, we have an emergency mastery series pathway to match them to the right content. The other thing that we're doing is it's the most competitive market in radiology history. Radiologists right now are getting multiple job offers. Salaries are rising. It's, a, it's an unprecedented time. It will change, I'm sure, but right now it's in the radiologist's favor. And so radiology practices are, are competing. One of the ways that we've helped radiology practices is by providing pathways for them. So we're working with a large group. Um, they're working with all new hires. They'll say, okay, you're a new hire. Uh, maybe you're a generalist. We'll actually let you spend a few days per week training via MRI Online's mastery courses and fellowships to gain new skills over time. So they can actually bring people into the practice quicker, as well as train them on the job, which is really appealing for people who are graduating from residency who want to get started right away. So there's a number of different ways that we're trying to help radiology practices tackle these challenges head on. That's great, man. Because, and I want to talk about these remote fellowships because I think I've told you, like I, I cover teleradiology in, you know, I've covered different types of teleradiology practices where sometimes I'm expected to read, you know, liver MRI, which I didn't, you know, I, I did back in training and then I was in IR for a while and I had to relearn that stuff. And I basically just dusted off my old textbook, relearned it. But, you know, it's so hard to learn like that these days. And honestly, I never learned very well via textbook. I always wanted to uh, try and find basically a way that was a little bit more conducive to how I learn. And podcasts, for example, you know, I listen to podcasts all the time because I discover that I, that I learn very well by just, you know, hearing about these things. Now, radiology being a visual uh, specialty, 
it's all about reps, right? You have to see those patterns over and over and over again. And so what I like about your, your platform is you guys have so many cases to be able to review, to learn that in a small period of time. And unlike training where you have to wait for those cases to come up to learn that, right? This is more like, like you said, prostate. I just want to learn prostate this weekend. I can knock out whatever, 50 cases, 25 Saturday, 25 Sunday, and get it all down. And I should feel pretty confident, you know, next week. That is really enticing. You know what I mean? Not only as a practitioner, but as a group, I would think. Absolutely. And so when we started out with the Mastery Series, um, we also built out case quizzes. So just you know, hundreds of cases, exactly what you're talking about, Aaron. You know, I want to look at a case of a prostate MR. Is it Pyrads 2? Is it Pyrads 3? Let me see the report. And let me get through a lot of cases. And that's an important way to learn. So we have visual, um, we have auditory through our videos, and then you also have simulation. But it wasn't enough because at the end of the day, being a radiologist is more than just multiple choice questions. It's about dictating a report and guiding the clinician as well as the patient through the best set of next steps for their care. And that requires the sophistication in the communication of their findings, a level of detail that they can't be conveyed in just multiple choice questions. And so we thought about you know, how do we mimic the experience of sitting side by side at me as a fellow next to my attending, dictating my report and then giving me those pearls of wisdom. I said, hey, you know, you can dictate reports and have them graded from anywhere. You know, we do that all the time with teleradiology. And so we built a five and 10 week program, depending on the, the type of course that you're learning, where each week you'd be submitted five cases or you'd be assigned five cases. So here's five brain and spine MRIs um, and you're given a patient history and you're given um, their imaging and then you have to dictate a report and you submit that. And then each week you get together as a group with the attending and you, you get personalized feedback. So you say, hey, you know, you called that a tumor. It's actually a cyst and here's why. Or yeah, you know, you got the diagnosis right, but you, you didn't, you know, really call it these really important details we would have expected you to comment on these things. And so you get really personalized feedback on your reports emailed to you each week. And then you get together as a group and you discuss those cases in a case conference and you can ask questions of, you know, Dr. Yusum or Dr. Mukherjee or, you know, many of the other attendings that we have leading our amazing fellowship courses. And these, this experience of mimicking that real world reporting side by side with attending has been a real differentiator for our platform. There's a few things that come from this as a result. Number one is we have 90% completion rates. In the world of online education, this is unheard of. Industry average completion rates for an online course is like 20 to 30%. And so when people sign up for these courses, they find them incredibly valuable and stick with them. We also then collect their miss rate data through the course of study and are seeing a drastic reduction in miss rates from the beginning of their fellowship, those first few weeks to the end, over 50% reduction in miss rates through the journey um, that they go through in these fellowships. And the other thing that you're talking about, Aaron, around, you know, why, you know I imagine groups would love it. Well, the thing that, that we tell them is, that we find is radiologists report 90% increased confidence in reporting on these things. So now they say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be so mad when my um, group says, hey, you know, we need you to cover a few prostate MRIs this week because they invested in me to take this prostate fellowship. I spent a few weeks on it. I watched, you know, several hours of videos. I did several dozen practice cases. And then I also had this training platform 
through these radiologists. Over 95% of people that take these fellowships recommend it to a colleague. And so it's been the fastest growing area of our business in these fellowships. Um, and there's a lot of innovation that, that's coming in this area. So for example, with our large enterprise customers, we're actually integrating these fellowships into the clinical workflow. So imagine you show up to work and you say, hey, you know, great, that's cool that you want me to learn prostate MRI. I'm already so busy reading all of this MSK. How am I going to find time? We'll actually put the teaching cases right there in your packs. So I show up to work and my, my group has five teaching cases on there. And so then I can you know, do those teaching cases while at work right there in my clinical workflow. We also then share all of this data with the institution, which gives them a lot of confidence that, hey, you know, I'm investing in the quality of my radiology team. They're showing increased efficiencies and confidence and accuracy. We can take this data and report back as a group to make sure we're providing high quality care or in areas where, hey, you know what, this doctor's not ready for this. You know, we, we probably shouldn't put them there and matching the right people to the right exams. Yeah, so it reminds me of back in, I guess this was 2013, before I joined my group, I realized that they needed help reading cardiac CTS. So I went and did that ACR mini fellowship, but I had to fly up to Virginia to do it. It was great, it was a great course, loved it. And I felt like they gave me everything I needed to then feel confident going and reading cardiac CTAs. But, you know, that was a big time investment for myself. I had to fly up there, stay in a hotel, all that stuff. Something that, you know, I was in a big group of like a hundred radiologists, only like three other people read cardiac CTAs. So it still all fell on me and like three other people every time one of those would come up. And how amazing would it be to not have to go do all that? Like basically it's all available. And at, like you said, you're basically training them in their day-to-day, -day. like, hey, throw a cardiac CTA case on every day. Then over after a, a month of that, you're going to feel comfortable reading those, right? Like a real one, not a not an educational one. So I love that idea. And I think that what you guys are doing is really, I mean, it's necessary. Just knowing, having been part of a big radiology group, everybody feels insufficient in multiple things. It's, again, very time intensive to go get that training, even if you, you have interest. It's just, you got to help the docs become more efficient in how they learn. And it sounds like you guys have been pretty successful at that. Yeah. One of our internal mottos is how do we enable radiologists to instantly find educational value in the products? Um, and our goal is to help people master new reading skills in five minutes per day or less. And so through these ethos, we are now building products that enable people to train on the job. And, you know, the, the modern radiologist, it, it's a very different world than people who, you know, they really value taking the week and, you know, going to a facility to train in person. I don't think that's going away, but people are investing in themselves learning all the time. And this is a way that enables them to learn on demand, on their phone, on their iPad. I can't tell you how many people do our courses at the gym, on the airplane, on the bus. Uh, you know, in line at Starbucks. And so fitting in a, a slightly higher quality version of Instagram into your life and getting some learning, I think is really helpful. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, learning a new language, like you have Duolingo and Babbel and all these things that help. It's like micro lessons, right? If you can carve out five to 10 minutes every day, eventually you're going to get there, right? And, and feel confident. So I love that. Uh, and that you guys have really been able to harness the existing technology to to do that. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, and you and I talked about this previously, is AI being such the, you know, the elephant in the room. We're already implementing it in different ways. I like to ask people, especially trainees, hey, are, like, are you getting any lectures? Are you getting any 
any content around AI as part of your training, your radiology residency training. And surprisingly, like not a lot are. And uh, are you guys starting to incorporate that into your platform? You know, what's your take on that? Absolutely. There was a, a study done pretty recently that showed over 80% of radiologists plan to invest their time and money in learning how AI will apply to their jobs. And so it's critical that us as the category leader in radiology education provide that education for them. Uh, and we've started. So we've done this in a few places. We have a really great series of courses on Noon Conference, which are the lecture webinars of people talking about the state of AI. Um, and then we've also done a deep dive in breast AI, which has had some real advances of late. Where MRI Online is positioned in the market is, you know, I'm a community radiologist in Idaho treating a broad population, serving a broad set of subspecialties and modalities. What do I need to know today to provide care? Um, we're not replacing any of the radiology journals that are doing really critically important research. And so right now, you know, most radiology practices in the U.S. aren't really applying AI in their day to day, or if they are, it's in, you know, limited scope pilots and things of that nature. And so where, where we come in is, hey, what do I as a private practice clinician need to do? And, and when there's some uniform standards there, we'll be setting together the types of courses that can say, hey, me as a practice, as a practice leader, what do I need to do today um, to bring my group up to speed? Now, that might be, take some time as this technology diffuses. So I don't know if that's going to be a sufficient answer for the long term. And so I've actually been thinking about what are some non-CME ways that we can think about having conversations with radiology AI leaders about what they think is coming because people really care about it. But right now it's such a it's such early days that we don't want to be saying, hey, you know, MRI Online says you got to use the Viz AI software in order to do stroke care, though certainly that is growing in its in its approach. So I don't know if I answered that clearly, but but we think a lot about it and uh, trying to figure out what's the right role for education Well, it's here. tricky, right? Because you want to provide the education and not be biased towards one company or another in terms of like the content you provide, right? Like you just mentioned Viz or, you know, we, we recently had Elad Wallach from... A doc on recently, and he was talking about how when they first started, there were a lot more AI companies showing up at RSNA. And now over time, they've all kind of weeded out to five or six. There's some front runners out there that uh, have all done a great job and, and are persisting and, and putting out great products. And I guess the, I just wanted to know for that guy out in Idaho, how does he learn more about what's out there? You know, in terms of, hey, should I incorporate Rapid or A or A Doc or Viz in my practice? How will that help improve my bottom line? How will that improve my workflow? And it sounds like you guys are already doing that with like your noon conferences and putting that sort of information out there. You know, at Backtable, we do a lot of content around practice building, practical stuff to help people in their day to day, which is very similar to you, but you know, your content is more focused on a disease process, learning that disease process, learning, you know, how to interpret and dictate that disease process correctly. And for us, it's a little bit more nebulous, like, oh, well, how do I add a kyphoplasty to my practice? How do I get more patients in the door by harnessing, you know, a marketing company, stuff like that. So I just want to, I was just curious to know, like, are you, do you have any, like, like an AI mini fellowship, for example, um, like in the works and it's okay if you don't, I was just kind of curious. Yeah, we don't. We have a lot of AI courses that we're building into subspecialties. 
So as we talked about earlier, the way we think about content is at the subspecialty level. So clinically, in neuroradiology, what are the important things that a neuroradiologist needs to do or generalist interpreting brain spines, head and neck studies? And if AI plays a role in that, then it's on Dave Usum and Suresh Mukherjee to, as the clinical leaders, think through what are the needs of the clinician and, and how does AI fit in and then bring in the right, the right content. We are thinking of some other ways. So uh, shameless plug now, I'm actually going to be launching a podcast depending on when this podcast goes up, uh, might be up. If not, it'll be up, you know, in a month or two where I can have conversations with practice leaders as well as people like a lot of people. Um, I had Josh Duncan on the show on one of our first episodes talking about Rad AI, which is doing really interesting work in uh, natural language processing and in shortening the amount of time that it takes to interpret, you know, a spine MR or a, a knee MR. But that was a really interesting conversation. I don't know that we'd need a mastery series course or a fellowship on that. Um, I don't know if that fits into our existing teaching models. And so we're thinking of what are the right teaching models for folks to learn about the different AI platforms, as well as learn from great practice leaders. So for example, you know, maybe bringing on one of our customers who runs a 400-person radiology practice to talk about, hey, in our radiology practice, here's what AI we have implemented. Here's what AI we're thinking about implementing. And here's some areas where we don't think it's ready. Those things might lend itself a little better right now to either a podcast or a webinar or or, or those types of teachings. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It, it's more kind of a up for discussion because it's, A, it's a little bit controversial, right? Everybody has different opinions as to how it's being implemented, where, and it's it's very kind of futuristic too still, right? I mean, you, you have these companies that have implemented it in certain disease processes, but it's not like across the board but it is definitely worth talking about and helping people discover. It's I think it's worth driving discovery around it, especially for the trainees and the young guys, because I think in 10 years, it's going to be such an important part of our practice that um, I, I just would like to see them learn more about it. And I, you know, as I learn more about it, we try and talk about it on Backtable, but helping get those resources out there so that people can learn about it. And I, I want to ask you a few more questions. I didn't mean to go off the rails with the AI stuff. No, I mean, we could, <laughs> we could talk AI. Uh, we could talk AI a lot longer. It's, it's a super yeah. important topic. And um, one other plug on it is if there's any radiology educators that think they have an interesting perspective and an important thing to share on AI, reach out to us because yeah. we'd love to have you on MRI Online sharing that knowledge. We have a conversation coming up with Harry Trevetti from Emory, who's a big AI research leader. So we're starting to have these conversations. We think yeah, it's really important. Very cool. Um, and we'll definitely plug the the podcast at the end here. So one, uh, one more thing. So, you know, I know this is starting a new business is expensive. How did you guys fund MRI online? It was it just friends and family and you just kind of bootstrapped it as you went? Or did you guys raise money to, you know, invest to get the company off, on, off and running? So yeah, we bootstrapped it initially. You know, I, I told the story at the at the beginning. We got some paying customers on our first course. And our approach for the first few, call it year and a half, was hey, every dollar into the business, we can turn around and invest into more content and more marketing dollars. And so we really bootstrapped this thing. We were break-even from day one for um for a while. And then we hit product market fit coming out of noon conference and saw, hey, we're starting to attract a lot of faculty. And we have a real opportunity here to become the category leader in radiology education, um, which we also think could be a great business opportunity. And so we said, hey, maybe now would make, make some sense to bring on some 
additional capital to grow the team, grow out our capabilities. At this time, we didn't even have any in-house engineering. All the technology was outsourced. You and I were talking about if there were any challenges in scaling this business. Um, I still remember there was a period in time as we were growing really fast where um, our platform wasn't built in a scalable way. We were having like five second page load speeds, which a, a five second page load on a 45 second video is killer. <laughs> so, you know, it's five seconds to load the page and then you go to the next page. There's another five seconds. And I'm, I'm sure I've got some listeners who are saying it's still too slow and we hear you, but it's not five seconds anymore. I think we're under a second uh, in, in most cases. And so we say, hey, you know, we really, if we want to do this right, we need to build out a team. And so we raise some capital through a, a range of different sources. One was, you know, professional investors who are experienced in pure technology and software investments. We also brought on a number of physicians, both radiologists as well as other types of clinicians who, you know, represent areas that we might be interested in growing into over time, um, as well as a number of founders and angels in the space. So, for example, one of our investors is Dan Lambert, who's built a company called Ford Vitals. He's been really instrumental in helping us take from his experience at Ford Vitals, building with Ford Prep and CME business successfully. And so we, we also use it as an opportunity to grow our network and grow our expertise in the space. Through this capital, we've been able to build now a true team. Um, so we've got you know an incredible leadership team of people who are experienced in scaling software companies, scaling healthcare education companies. And we're really excited about the future. How did you find those people? Did you have to to go and pitch, you know, do like a pitch deck and how long did that take to kind of get the capital that you needed to to reach the next step? You know, it maybe took six months, you know, it, it, around March or April. I said, hey, you know, I think I think now's the time we should really do this. And then found an advisor uh, who was a friend of mine from Cincinnati. I said, hey, you know, do you, what do you think about this? He said, yeah, I think you can do it. So we would meet every week and refine the story, refine the deck and start building out our target lists and then really hit the ground running in June after I'd had a few months of of that refinement and a few practice pitches. And then by September, we had um, closed the round. And so, you know, end to end about a six month process, lost a few hairs, spotted a few gray ones during the process. I'm on the other side of it for now. And so that's been um, you know, you can look back in the rearview mirror and say, yeah, okay, that was uh, that was great. But I'm sure Taylor, my wife and therapist, uh, would have a different story for yeah, you. It sounds really stressful. And then uh, we, uh, we've only done like friends and family and, and our own physician network. But, you know, to, to go out and, and pitch it to somebody. I mean, we've, I've had some like informal pitches that haven't really gone well. And, and so, you know, I can only imagine that uh, it's, it's got to be pretty stressful and, and, you know, to, to get rejected, right? I mean, this is your baby, like you're out there putting yourself on the line and to get that rejection. But, you know, I hear like Elod was telling us, you know, how they pitched for in front of dozens of people and, and got rejection after rejection. So it just goes to show you that you just can't give up, but six months is pretty good to get, to get what you needed, you know? Yeah, no, I, I have my, my fair share of, of no's and rejections and, you know, thankfully have a lot of friends that have been through the process and we support each other and keep each other up. So stick with it. And if I can ever be helpful to folks who are going through it, you know, always happy to, to chat and listen to a pitch. Well, that was pretty much all I had in terms of questions. We're up, we're up on the hour. Was there anything else that you wanted to leave our audience with um, about MRI Online? 
95% of radiologists that use MRI online would recommend yeah. it to a friend or colleague. So come see what it's all about. While the name is MRI online, we yeah. cover all modalities, CT, PET, ultrasound, x-ray, you name it. The only area we're not super deep yet is IR. So Aaron, after the podcast, you and I got to get together and figure out how we build out our IR library. It's a little bit of a different animal. And we're really excited about working with general radiologists, subspecialty radiologists, residents, people who've been in practice yeah. for 25 years. There's over 500 hours of content, over 4,000 uh, cases and topics for people to learn from. By far, the hardest part is finding the right content for you. Um, but we've got it. So come on down and uh, have to share the It's platform. funny you just said that. And I apologize to you and our audience that that was literally my second question was, it's not just MRI, right? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not just MRI. If you made yeah. it all the way to the <laughs> well, end, um, my, my head of marketing is going to shoot me an email and say, why yeah. didn't you say that earlier? Um, it's, we actually have a new brand in the works um, that's going to be coming out later this year to help people see the scope and size of what it is that we offer as well as the vision for where we're going. Well, great, man. I mean, I, I love what you guys are doing. I love that, especially the story about when COVID hit and you guys were doing the free noon lectures. It sounds like that really gave you guys a lot of traction, helped build that loyal following to then, you know, people are like, oh, wow, this, this is good stuff. Let me try it out. I think that Anybody that's putting content out there has to provide something for free, right? Any kind of, actually any kind of service. I mean, you, we were talking about Duolingo, like you got to have a trial version. You have to have something that gives you a taste of what it's like to get you to, to invest and especially physicians, right? We always joke how, you know, as a med student, you spend a lot of money on resources, but once you get out of training, docs kind of get cheap, right? I mean, we don't buy the textbooks that we, we don't buy stuff anymore. We just, we expect to get stuff for free almost. And, you know, we go to conferences, but that might be like one conference a year because we're so busy. The challenge for you, I see, is just getting people to invest in their own education, invest in themselves. Uh, but it, it sounds like you guys are doing a great job. So kudos to you. And I look forward to, to using MRI online personally, as I do more teleriology stuff. I know I know it's gonna be super helpful for me and happy to help on the interventional stuff. I know it's challenging because of the procedure <laughs> the procedures, right? Well, we love a challenge and uh, Aaron, thank you so much for having me. The back table podcast is a real inspiration. Well, thanks, Dan. All right, to our listeners, thanks for listening. Uh, as per usual, you can find all our podcasts on Spotify, Apple, and backtable.com and any podcast listening platform out there. Uh, everybody have a great Sunday. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Backtable Innovation on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Backtable Innovation is produced and hosted by Brian Hartley, Aaron Fritz, and Eric Gamaker. Our audio team lead is Karen Gannon, with support from Caleb Hodson. Josh McWhorter and Ness Smith-Savadoff. Design and digital marketing led by Brian Schmitz with support from Ann Dang. Social media and PR by Chi Dang. And Dana Parker. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.